Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. Last week, we started a series called Frayed. And it's just quite simply about stress, stress that comes into our lives on a pretty regular basis. And we ended that um, talk last week with a little exercise that you could use to confront your stress. And so, which raises the question, why do we need to continue? Like, why do we have four more weeks of a series? And it's because stress isn't one thing. It comes into your life in a lot of different ways. You experience it in a lot of different ways. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to try to put some more practical things out there that will help you address the stress that you're facing so that you can kind of step into your life and move forward. Here's what I can tell you. You are going to experience trouble. Jesus said it's going to come with every day. And with that comes some stress. You're going to have some difficulties. You're going to have some challenges. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have just irritants. It doesn't matter. All of those things, big or small, have the ability to produce stress in our lives, which, by the way, isn't a bad thing. God actually created stress for your benefit. It was meant to be this temporary thing that produced some natural chemicals in your life that would allow you to act in the moment to some sort of difficulty when you're at your sharpest. But it does the opposite when we do what we've done in our culture, which is to hardwire into stress. It's not a temporary thing for us. We live on it. It's almost like we've become addicted to it. The problem is long-term chronic stress is not good for your life. It's not good for your health or your well-being. It's dangerous. And so we're trying to figure out what to do about it. As we were going and picking the different weeks that we'd be talking about, um, we kind of slotted this week, and I was doing some reading, and I came across a 10-question test that you could take to determine how deep your stress was, how intense it was, all of that sort of thing. And I was surprised because five of the questions on that test were related to today's topic, which made me go, okay, I think we're on the right track. That's good. But it also was like, ooh, this is going to be tough. Because if, if, if that is what's causing so much stress for people, it's going to be an issue because to change this one is going to require you to think differently. It's a mindset shift. And what I've discovered over time is those are the hardest adjustments to make. We think the way we do. We have a beliefs the way we have because we think they're right. And to have to give up on that and to adjust that or change that is hard to do. Um, but that's what I'm going to offer you today. I'm going to offer you that kind of challenge. Now, I want to introduce our topic through a song. Uh, the way this comes out in our lives isn't one way. This song does a good job of kind of uh, covering both of that. And it's a song uh, that was not written as if somebody was talking to God, but it easily could have been. And I think it would be helpful if you listen to it that way. Okay, so we're talking about stress, right? We're talking about uh, the kind of stress that frays you. I told you I saw a test with five out of the 10 questions, I want to show you those. I want to show you, I'm going to put them on the screen. I'm going to let you read through them. And what you're going to see is three of them 
have the same word in them, and the other two, in my opinion, are absolutely describing the word control without saying it. Like, they're, they're all kind of addressing that. Now, uh, if I could just call you back to last week, we said, listen, there's two categories of stress. There's four different types of stress. There's lots of different ways this is coming at your life. And one of those was about manufacturing stress. And the song that uh, Zoe wrote and that we just performed here um, is about that manufactured kind of, I want to control stuff. I, I want to control my life. I want to control the plans that I make. I want to control the outcomes that are important to me. I want to grab on and find a way to control the stuff that's important to me. And what you find is that when you do that, it can create some stress. It can especially do that when you're trying to control things that are outside of your control. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, two years ago, I got a call um, from one of my boys. I had coached volleyball for a while. He had coached volleyball with me in, um, when he was a student. And when he graduated from college, came back for one semester and actually was an assistant coach with me. It was one of the most fun I've ever had as a coach. We had a blast. But um, he, he got into it. And he was coaching at another school. And he was calling uh, because there was a problem that was unfolding in the program and he wanted to talk to me about it. Uh, it's a common problem. There was a student who wasn't getting the playing time that she thought she deserved. She was fairly upset about that. And I was like, yeah, that's life. Deal with it. You're going to be okay. Um, you have to do what's best for your team. But he's like, no, 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 no. This is serious. Because of this, she's made an accusation that um, I cussed her out in practice, threw a ball at her head, and have been demeaning her. And I said, well, listen, I, I think these kinds of things happen quite often, and you're going to be okay. Somebody's going to investigate. They're going to find out what kind of coach you are. And um, I, I knew what kind of coach he was uh, because... He's not a yeller. I'm not a yeller. I, okay. I yelled at refs that I had to apologize for later, okay? I'm not proud of it, but it happened, all right? I lost it a few times and then had to go and fix that. But I did. I went and fixed that, okay? Never did I talk to a student that way. And I was with my son for years. Never saw him talk to a student that way. So I just said, listen, you're overblowing this. Relax. This is all going to go away because everybody knows how you coach. There's another coach in the gym with you the whole time. They're going to be able to verify. This is going to be okay. Um, I hung up. I really um, didn't give it uh, much of a thought until I got a call two days later. And um, an accusation had been added uh, to, the, to the one where there's like it's abuse. The accusation was that during games, he was putting his hand in her lap, and he didn't, she didn't feel like he could stop him from doing that because, you know, it's a coach and everything. Um, two years ago, 
What was going on in our world at the time was that if an accusation was made, an accusation had to be believed. You were, you were guilty until proven innocent, and really, it wasn't okay to try to prove that you were innocent. And, um, and when he was telling me about um, how this was now being added, I, I felt like this thing was spinning out of control. Like this was, this was going to get to a place that could really mess with his life. And so when I hung up the phone this time, I did think about it all the time. Like I, I was twisted up in my gut about what in the world should we do? And I had, I had a long conversation with Tracy about like, hey, this is serious. The environment that this is all happening in right now is serious. We got to find a way. We got to find a way to get in there and do something about this. And so I talked to her uh, about uh, hiring a lawyer for our son, and I called him uh, with that offer, and he said, uh, listen, the, the union of the school has already supplied me with a lawyer, which at one you know, part it was like, okay, that's good, and the other part was like, mm, they think he needs a lawyer too. Like, this is, this is, not, this is not a good thing. And so um, I found myself wound up in knots trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. How was I going to help this situation? And the truth was we, we couldn't find very many things to do. Uh, sometimes the urge for control comes with your personality. Maybe you're a personality type that likes to keep things all neat and orderly and you have a way that you want to do things. Sometimes it's based on how you were raised. It could be that you just have a genuine concern that you want to see certain outcomes happen. And those outcomes really aren't bad. There's, there's nothing wrong with them. It could be that you have a perfectionistic tendency. It could be all of that. But here's what, here's what happens when you find yourself bound up looking for control. You will try to find a way to orchestrate the details to turn out the way you want, and you'll use any means necessary. If that means you have to pressure somebody, you'll do it. If you have to use guilt, if you have to use manipulation, if you have to use force, it's all on the table. Because the ends justify the means. I know what would be best. I know what would be best if I can find a way to get my way to control this, things will turn out. But as we examined that situation and all of the things that were going on with it, Here's what we realized. We had little to no control over anything that mattered. We didn't have any control over what somebody would say. We didn't have any control over how somebody would do their job and investigate. We didn't have any control over what they would believe or not believe. 
Like, literally, anything that would have mattered was outside our ability to influence that. It was tough. See, if, if you want to find something in the scriptures that tells you where you could put your energy when it comes to control, I, I've, I've found one thing. Let, I'll show it to you. It's in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. This is on the negative side of it. It says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. That's the negative side. If you look at the positive side in 2 Timothy uh, 1.7, it says this. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This idea of self-discipline could be translated self-control. Like there are things that you could actually put some control into, but it has to do with the stuff that you desire that's not helpful for your life. God says, I want you to exercise some self-control there. I want you to exercise some emotional responses that are honoring to me. I want you to live in a way that exemplifies my values. And you can bring self-control to those areas all you want. In fact, I'd like you to. Believe it or not, it's considered a fruit of the Spirit. The closer you get to God, the more self-control you display, which shows people that you are living a life that honors God. Like it comes out of you in that way. And the scriptures say that kind of control, you controlling yourself for the sake of the message of God, valuable. Do it. Now let me show you all the verses that are about controlling other people and getting the outcomes that you think are the right ones to get. That was fast. They're not there. In fact, you want to find the kind of things that are there? Like in Proverbs, it encourages you to go ahead, make a plan. That's fine. But you aren't the one who controls the outcome of that plan. God does that. Like God has a say in how this life goes. And when we get into this belief that we can actually manufacture, create the right world based on the way we think and live and do things, it creates a mess. It creates a mess. Here's what gets offered instead. We just read a verse in Timothy. Timothy and his mom came to Jesus under the work of Paul. He later went on a missionary trip with Paul and becomes a mentor. Like Paul becomes his mentor. And he writes him a couple um, really insightful, practical books, letters. And uh, so Timothy has this kind of tutelage. It's kind of funny. This stuff is relative to me. It makes me laugh. Uh, Paul wrote to him, don't let anyone look down on your youth. And he was around 40 years old when that was written. All right? So uh, he has this long, ongoing relationship with Timothy. And I want you to see what Paul says to Timothy. 
He says in verse 6 of chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness, if you're going to practice self-control, then bring alongside it contentment. By the way, this is Paul writing this. This is a guy who's been in prison, who's been beaten, who's been shipwrecked. Life has not gone easy and simple for Paul. And he's looking at him and saying, you want to know the key to great gain? Control yourself and throw in some contentment. Which I want to tell you right now, feels insane. Like, if we go back to the example that I gave you of my son. What you want me to do, God, is to be content that this is going on. You, you want me to find a way to be okay that that's happening. Do you understand kind of the pressure that that causes in your life? How can I do that? How can I find a way to be content in those moments? And here's the truth. This is really important. I want you to catch this. Being content is an inward and outward action that reveals who and what you trust. Now catch this. Control is an inward and outward action that reveal who and what you trust. They compete. They butt heads all the time. One grasps for control over things that you can't utterly control. Like you can't do it. And by doing that, it generates overwhelming amounts of stress in your life because you're trying to do something that can't even be accomplished. But we try. And then contentment comes along and says, you know what? You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. But here's what you can trust me with. God has this incredible ability to take whatever outcome happens and turn it into something that either benefits his kingdom or benefits your character. I don't know how he does it. But it's what he does. And it's why he comes along and says, I want you to be content. Self-control, absolutely. With contentment, bring that to the game. Contentment, in this verse right here, is actually something that happens in your mind. It's a contented mind. It's a calm mind. It's a peaceful mind. It is the opposite of stress. Listen, contentment destroys stress. It reveals that I have this trust in God about something that's going on, and because of it, it allows me to be calm in a place when I shouldn't be calm. And I can tell you that's hard. Does it mean you stop caring to rely on God and pray? Uh, the day arrived 
And uh, the mom and the parents met with the athletic director and the head coach. And they said, okay, we want to start with uh, the allegations about, you know, the name calling, the throwing the ball at your head, all of that kind of stuff. When did that happen? You know, we generally have another coach in there. And, and she said, no, it happened on a day when our head coach was gone. And there were, actually, there were actually two days that the head coach was gone. She had something come up. She asked our son to run the whole practice. So he was in that practice with two different teams by himself the whole time. Um, and because of that, uh, the head coach had allowed him to take a couple days off for some Notre Dame games or whatever. So they had this flip-floppy thing, so it was possible, right? So they said, okay, um, what day did this happen? And she named the day. And the first date that she gave was one of the dates that the head coach had given my son off for a Notre Dame game. And the head coach kind of pointed that out, and she was like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, it must be this other date. It had to be this date. Which was the second date that he wasn't at the practice either. What are the odds? I know what they are. I figured them out. It's one in 4,830 chances that that would happen. A blindfolded monkey throwing a dart at 70 days on a calendar would have had a better day of hitting one day that he was actually in practice. Right? All of the stuff went away. And here's, here's what I want to be really careful with. It's not that you choose contentment so that things will work out the way that you think they should work out in the end. It happened to for us. But that's not the point. Can I just ask? I just, I just want to find out. Are any of you experiencing just an overwhelming sense of stress right now because you can't get somebody to think the way you want them to think? Can you get them to like the things that you like? You want them to dislike the things that you dislike? You want them to feel a certain way? They don't. But you could see the value if they would just get that done. And so you're trying to control them into that feeling. Are you trying to control somebody's choice? It's really their choice. They're going to have to make it. Like sometimes we go as, so far as to try to control the weather. Literally, all of these things outside of our control, we grasp at at times. Trying to find some way to either bargain with God or do something and we manufacture stress at a level that harms us. We, we do this. Contentment is a choice that you make. It's a choice that you make in the midst of a storm that reveals who and what you trust. Now, um, there's one other way that this grasp for control happens in our lives. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to move quickly, and I think it's important. Uh, because some of you have figured out that you cannot possibly control other people, and you can, cannot possibly control circumstances. You accept that. You've moved on. 
But one of the things that you have decided you can control, and, and you'll call it self-control, but it's not that, is that you think you control self-perception. How do people perceive me? What do people think about me? What can I show to them on a consistent basis so they'll like me, accept me, be all right? And we build, we build these artificial facades around our life that end up becoming prisons. Because as you build this fake thing, you're not really sure that you can step outside of that and show the, the person the real you because you're not sure they would like that person. So you have all of these doubts. And so you stay entrapped in this vision of what you think other people would like. And I, I know things have gotten worse on this because of social media, but don't kid yourselves, this has been around forever. People have been doing this forever. We try to manage how people see us so that we'll be liked or understood. And what we miss is that God intended you to be a certain person that he would use in the world to make an impact. And if you're not you, everybody around you loses out, not just you. God intended to use you in a certain way to make an impact in the world, and that's being withheld. Can I remind you? Can I remind you? 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Sometimes the contentment has to be with how God created you to be. It's unique. It's different. Maybe it feels like it's off from everybody else. But if you are exercising self-control, if you're trying to bring your life into alignment with the values of God, then being content with who he made you to be and what he's doing in your heart to grow you, to change you, to move you is something that you could be content with. I'm not perfect right now, but I know what God's doing in me, so I move. And just like the other type of control, this is true. It's true. That contentment, contentment is a thing that reveals who and what you value and trust. Control, that, that desire to put on that fake facade, control is just an action that reveals something going either on the inside or the outside of who or what you trust. But in both cases, contentment is a choice. It's a choice for you to believe that God is worth trusting, but sometimes we have the ability to take and compound that and make it worse by attempting to control things that are clearly not within our control. And we grasp and we fight and we... And we exhaust ourselves away. And I'm going to let God do what only he can do. 
I'm, I'm convinced that you'll take these situations in our life that are hard and you'll turn them into something incredible for the kingdom. You'll turn them into something incredible for our character. But some of it may never be experienced without contentment. God, may we remember godliness with contentment is great gain.